1: It's that time of the week again, the Rugby League Rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour of nothing for NRL tour. We are back again, another huge weekend of Rugby League Boxhead. Uh, some big results on the weekend. Some games that obviously didn't mean as much, but you know, a couple of teams announced themselves a bit further to competition and their status. A few other teams bowed out, and some others have thrown themselves back into the mix for the bottom end of that eight in particular, which every week just keeps on changing.
2: Yeah, the, I guess the results um, threw up, you know, a pathway forward that's more interesting. That's for sure. Um, the top four now, yeah, looks more open than, than what it did, I guess, a fortnight ago. I think the bottom of the eight pitch is sort of becoming a little bit more clear, but mathematically teams are still, you know, probably from the nights up are all a, a chance of still making the eight. But uh, it's it's interesting. It's it's much better than last year because we had just runaway top eight last year. So
1: yeah. I'm enjoying it. Settled with almost um, three or four weeks left last season, whereas this year we've got two spots in the bottom open and still probably four... Teams, I guess, that are shuffling more so. Yeah, I, the- look,
2: I think the Warriors are done after that loss on the weekend. Yeah, now, I But agree. from them up, you know, the Knights are still a chance if they can win three in a row.
1: And I think the results can go their way because some of those teams in that log gym are still playing at each other and just some things that happen on the weekend as well. But, um, yeah, obviously the Raiders announced themselves on the weekend. South had a little bit of a slip-up. you got the Roosters who are still humming along nicely just doing their thing. And then you've got Cronulla who I still can't put a finger on who... Could have been up 24, 30 points very, very early in that game and ended up playing one of the worst games I've seen. But somehow, still found a way to get the result. But I guess we'll jump into things right now. Uh, We won't be doing fan questions tonight. Boxhead's deadly ill, and we're very, very lucky to get him on. I am under the weather, yes. He's going to do his best not to cough so much, so I apologise in advance for that, but he can't help it. Just stoked that he was willing to let me come Mm. over and still record. So thank you for that, mate. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, we'll jump into things set of six for anyone who doesn't listen to the show. Or if it's your first time, welcome to the fifth and last in Our podcast. For everyone that always is here with us weekly, we appreciate it. And you know how this works. Set of six is six questions, thoughts, statements, anything uh, that we want to talk about. And the first one, and one of the biggest points we had, not a Barney about it, but I guess a disagreement or two different points of view earlier in the year about Nathan Brown. And Nathan Brown, it's now come out today, uh, is mutually moving on from the Newcastle night. So there's been a board meeting. They've talked about their position. They've come to the conclusion, obviously, that he will be moving on at the back end of the season, top eight or finals or not. Uh, that's the decision they've come to now. Yeah, I don't feel vindicated by it because I, I, no. I think this. this. I think
2: the timing of it is very strange. I think it's poor timing. Also. Strange because there's still a chance. Like if they'd lost on the weekend, they were out, I, I understand it. I'm not sure why they're having a meeting based on um, – based on his future three weeks out from the finals, when there's still a chance. Like, mm. if the season's over, then you start your review pro- process. I, I I just get the feeling maybe Nathan Brown accelerated that through rumblings and the media started to report um, or there were things being leaked out of Newcastle over the weekend that, you know, they were looking elsewhere and Shane Flanagan's name got thrown around and a few different names got thrown around. Uh, on the back of the losing streak, I, I, I really don't know what to make of it. I. Look, I, I had a strong view when they were losing that, you know, there were a lot of things there that I thought Nathan Brown got wrong that he could have done better. Yeah. But your argument was vindicated as well because they went on a streak of six. They won six in a row. Yeah. They beat the Roosters. They flogged the Roosters at home. And I, they looked the top four side.
1: I just so we, I think we've seen both the absolute
2: the best, best and we've seen the absolute worst of Newcastle. The, the issue is, and I guess I don't think either of us are right in this regard, neither no. of us are right in this argument – the, the, the difference is, and, and the, the biggest reason why Nathan Brown, I guess, hasn't been able to get this team to the finals, is the gap between their best and their worst. Yeah. Simple as that. And they seem to go through streaks of confidence and streaks of a lack of confidence. I you st- know, you look at Melbourne on the weekend. They gave up an 18-point lead. Do you reckon that's going to affect them this weekend?
1: No. no you way. don't
2: want to play them this weekend. No.
1: You know, whereas on the happen.
2: on the back of you know Newcastle losing, you'd probably think, well, I want to play him next week. And the
1: week previously, like again, to your example, they lost to Manly in a one point goal and point game. Turn up the next weekend, put forty on the Broncos. Yeah. Like,
2: and look, we we broached uh, we broached the Nathan Brown, I guess, topic. I, I don't know whether it was last week's show or the, or the week before, but you know, and, and and I think I said to you that, well, who who else are they going to get? Well, look, and, mate, and look, I've had a lot of people text me today. And say, do you think he's a good coach? And the honest answer to that is I, I don't know. I I have no idea. How do I know? I d I, I don't want to get on air and, and hammer people who I've never seen operate. No. I think I'll tell you what though, he was he's been good enough to be at two clubs in the UK and He turned hard. Get, a, for get a, do a four year job here at Newcastle. And I think Regardless of, of what people think, his legacy at Newcastle is going to be a positive one because he's taken them out of a shit fight. They they were the laughing stock for a few years yeah. there. They they were just a lock for the wooden spoon. And on so that's that's his legacy. The, yeah. the criticism will be that he couldn't get them to that next step. And and that I guess that's been a criticism similar to what people would say about Brian Smith. I think in this case at this club, Nathan Brown will probably have a similar reputation. I think a lot of people forget this club chewed up and spat out Wayne Bennett in, what, a year and a half?
1: and I think Two years. This was kind of my blow-up earlier about the players letting him down because, in my opinion, and again, I don't know if you agree or not, I still look at this roster and no, say it's not
2: finished. I didn't disagree with no, that. No, no. I, I didn't disagree with the and fact I, that the players needed to be accountable. I think
1: they let him down, but I still... To me, I think this is the wrong decision because I thought... It's been four seasons, right? And I go back to what I said. He inherited the Wayne Bennett mess, the ownership change, mm. a roster that wasn't his, and... Whether people agreed with it or not at the time, and I went extremely hard at the time, Wayne Bennett, to me, massacred that club, yeah. as did, Cla- uh, what was his bloody name? Tinkler. Like, he went and signed Cade Snowden after they got Wayne Bennett, even though Wayne Bennett said not. So he got left with both the Sims brothers on deals that he didn't sign. Tarek didn't want to be there on half a million dollars. Jared Mullen signed like a four-year, $800,000 extension. Iwate. Hod- they, they they signed Hodkinson where they didn't have a coach for like 700 grand. He yeah. inherited... An absolute dumpster fire. He had to he had to debut. I, I I just guessing. I know the first year I saw a number today. It was ten debutants the first year, and some of those guys would not have played first grade elsewhere, or it wasn't the right time. Yeah, he had to endure two years of absolute torture. And I gave him raps at the time, saying that if anything, I think he turned it around quicker than what we expected. Yeah, I, I'd agree because he did a good job moving contracts or getting people out. I think where he's been let down is last year. I thought they made some good moves and they blooded some kids, but I think this year. A couple of the signings from last year, a few of those things didn't quite work out. You've got the Jesse Ramien thing, which, again, you don't have control over. Like, There's talk that his dad was unhappy after he signed because of the money, but don't sign him around two the year before, and then you can't go around shopping him around. Should yeah. he have probably nipped it in the bud earlier or handled it a bit better? Yeah, he probably should have, but I think he's been let down there. You've got Aiden Guerra, who they signed on big money, who hasn't quite delivered, and then he got injured this year, which he can't help, and now they need to move that contract on. <laughs> James Garvey comes for a year. He's already looking to get himself out the door. And they've never really settled on a spine. But like, I reckon you've you got to give credit more for, for what you said. And his legacy to me is going to be what's left behind. Because insane well, also... What, put it this what, way. He, Bennett, he's
2: leaving it in a much better
1: yeah. position than what Wayne Bennett did. And back to the main thing about the Wayne Bennett thing. They destroyed the junior pathway when Wayne Bennett was there. He's rebuilt it. 16s, 18s, 20s. They've been pumping out players yeah. year after year the last couple of years. And their footprint's not only just at Newcastle now, it's across other clubs. Blokes like Brennan O'Hagan, who are playing at the Raiders now because they couldn't fit him in. Charlie Cogger, Brock Lamb, Tom Starling. These guys are all playing cup and first grade over the competition. And this next crop to come is the best crop they've got. Bradman Best, who's playing this weekend, is only just turned 18. Is a centre fullback player who they've got massive hopes on. Stafford Toa, a young fullback. Sami Solo, who you've seen since more pieces of. Uh, the best of the junior crop that they've been blooding is yet to come. Mm. And you will see these players. And on top of that, he's the one who put his nuts on the table and signed Caliponga. They had to fight tooth and nail to get Mitchell Pearce off me and the other clubs when they weren't the most attractive offer. Mm. So the other thing I'll give to him, he wheeled and deal. He went after Clemmer. He went out hard on a lot of things and he chased and he – I don't think anyone probably had more meetings or pushed more things or had more personal time and sit-downs and investment in trying to turn the club around. So on that side of things, uh, I really think he couldn't have done much better. And again, I know it was four years and people say about the spoon, this, that, and the other. Realistically, I still think you can wipe the first two years. And I still think last year, they only had partial control of what they were doing. My, My gripe is I think this is the first full year that they're free of any burden and it's actually his side, which it is. And they may miss the finals, yes. But I'm just disappointed that he doesn't get to carry in the next year with Pierce Ponga. Watson and the last bit of this kind of group they're pushing through. And now he's got Jaden Braley across the line, which I think is a great signing. Mm. I think next year's roster would have been the real test of all the groundwork that was laid in. That's my issue. And my issue is the next coach to come, like I said before, it may not be a massive turnover, but will he agree with the roster? Yeah. You're going to want to bloody hope that whoever they recruit is happy with what's there and doesn't want to do any tweaking. And by any tweaking, I'm not saying that one or two small players but they, they can't have someone come in and point it at Glasby or someone who's on four or 500 or something like that and want to move two or three of those over because you're going to be wasting another 12, 18 months. You can upset other players. It could just go off tilt straight away. Yeah. So really that, that's that's the thing I'm worried about. Candidates. Um, I saw a list of Savo, which is ridiculous. Like they're talking about Tim Sheens and got like Tim Sheens, great coach, just got fired bloody over in England. He's almost 70 years old. You're not going to hire him. That's.
2: And, and look, he got hold, uh, fired by Hull KR who are... Uh, running nowhere in the Super League and there were not glowing things said by the players yeah
1: Garth Brennan was brought up he wasn't hired the first time and they had the opportunity to get him he's part of the West well, was highly liked apparently or a big part of the West group ran up behind the club but well, I'll
2: say this I think Garth Brennan will be on the staff
1: maybe but I think he's not staff. going to be the head coach that's surely not Kevin Walters mentioned again there's no way I'm giving that job to Kevin Walters and for we've anyone who listens to this we've said it enough times Kevin Walters the man the football player excellent but to me a guy that can't handle three games of origin football with the best players and gets wound up how's he going to handle the pressure of a club job yeah. all year round and then there's some other names like Shane Flanagan probably would be one of the best candidates for the job but the guy got 12 months the first time he got in trouble mm. what makes me think they're going to let him off this time and let him take a job like Newcastle in less than 12 months uh, Steve Price who's over in England doing good things we already saw that uh, that's that's reused Anthony Griffin not right for the job in my opinion not what the way they played not this situation the club's in
2: well to be fair I think Steve Price's team has lost their last three or four yeah Trent Barrett was mentioned
1: like, Trent Barrett again I think the proof's in the pudding this year about his ability that he to me threw the toys out of the cot last year at Manly and then Des Hasler comes in with the exact same situation in their top four no he, no. you know that that's one out there uh, you've got like I said the Flanagan and the Baswell, I, I scrap all those right so then you get I think Flanagan Sean Wayne come out the other week and said he wants to coach over here but after a couple of years out of doing league and, and the style of play over here again he's
2: doing rugby union and I he's wouldn't. also he's doing a,
1: um, a talking tour over in, yeah. in the UK so I think that's more smoke and mirrors so I really look at it and go they're going to get a rookie coach in my opinion Right? so the guys are left over the same ones we generally always talk about so first and foremost the, the main one Adam O'Brien Yeah. This is the kind of job we talked about before. If I'm Adam O'Brien, I didn't want the Titans job. I wanted to I'd say take this, job. this is a job that I'd be interested in getting. So Adam O'Brien to me is probably the number one candidate if I'm Newcastle. They're going to look at Craig Fitzgibbon. There was already talk they looked at Craig Fitzgibbon. There was talk that the Dragons would look at both of these two as well if McGregor moved on.
2: Look, the thing about Fitzgibbon... Um, I don't know how big I,
1: his role actually is at the Roosters. That's yeah. not saying he can't coach, but I don't know if he's covered enough I think much.
2: he'll be a good fit from a personality perspective for the area. Yeah. That'd be my biggest. Uh, not knowing how, how good of a coach he is, I think you know the player he was. Yeah, um, and I guess the type of culture I think and personality he'd bring to the team. I think it'd be good for the area.
1: Yeah, Jason Demetrio is another one we've mentioned a million times who seems to have been tucked away. I still feel that he will hold <coughs> where he is for the time being because he moved around, he did all those jobs, and he signed long term with South, I think basically with the thought that when <coughs> Wayne does eventually go he will likely be the one who gets the job but they may consider him I'm not sure but mm-hmm. I'd consider him Christian Wolfe's the current assistant coach for Tonga he was thrown out to that. I, again he's been doing assistant roles in Tonga for a bit I don't, he's not a guy I'm, they're going to give this job to mm-hmm. so you could scratch him straight away and the last one that popped up and there's a man with huge raps on him and again <laughs> uh, forget what I've said but he's another one in the Melbourne system Jason Riles apparently they have huge raps on and many reckon he's ready for a job so mm-hmm. I put it down to three main candidates out of all the ones we just spoke of Adam O'Brien, I think, would be number one, and then I think Fitzgibbon and Ryles might be in the running. But of all the other names, Barrett, you should, like some of the ones. I think Funnigan will get head.
2: the job. If, Do you reckon if, the band will get lifted if they can get through
1: the band? I'd agree with you on that. If you can get through the band. I, think, I don't think you can.
2: I think they'll employ him. Well, look, I, I, I honestly believe that they wouldn't have made this decision today without knowing that
1: they've got something. That or they someone. could.
2: That they can. They there's a there's a light there.
1: Someone they can get. Something Yeah, you don't make this decision no. unless you know where your next movie is. And I think they're in a Because good
2: Nathan Brown isn't Garth Brennan.
1: No.
2: Like Nathan Brown has proven himself to be competent. He's he's improved the club. So I don't understand why if you don't think you've got someone better already lined up that yeah. you would sack him. You wouldn't do it. And and look, sorry. Whether he's whether whether he's the mutual agreement, whatever press stuff they put out, it's all smoke and mirrors, we're never gonna know what, what went on. No, whether we won't. Brown might have gone in there and gone, Fuck you, I don't want to do it anymore. You know, i have being undermined in the media, and I'm sick of it, and whatever. That might yeah. have been the way, and it the went. doubt around my. It job, might have, might whatever. have just been that they they hauled him in and said Nathan, no more. Yeah. Or it could be that they got in the room and they mutually agreed. Who knows? We'll yeah. never know. Well, again, I, don't, I think it's irrelevant. Plenty, I, just, plenty, I just think that. Yeah, it's it's a it's a poor move to make if you don't have a, have someone in mind.
1: Oh, I can say as I said, I, I thought the one more year was justified, whether it was on their end or his end. I agree with you that whatever happened happened behind the room, and if it was them who pushed. I think they've given him the right to come out and say that he's the one moving on, or it's been mutually agreed, etc., or quitting the club because of what he's done for the club. Mm. And I think ultimately, long term, they will reap the rewards of what he's done, in particular with the cleanup and more particularly what he's done rebuilding the junior partner. Yeah, and look,
2: we sent each other a text message pretty much same time. We both agree he's going to head back to St Helens. Well, that's the that seems like thing convenient timing as well.
1: If not, if I'm the Dragons, I think I'd consider him on the assistant mm. staff. If that would make McGregor feel any better, I highly doubt it. Um, but I, I don't know his plans. If not, not,
2: I think he'd be happy to wait. He was a he consulted he for bit, Melbourne. You did, yep. Yeah, did a bit of consulting for Melbourne. You can get um, money and
1: get yourself a job like with good clubs. When you like, that, that's the other thing for me. His track record in England, his track record over here, and who's had him in their club. To me, says speaks volume. And I also think to his credit, with all the drama, I don't think anyone handles it much better. Yeah, he's, he's always on, on three sixty. He's always on the radio. He never gets angry. He never gets hostile. He addresses everything head on. He doesn't hide away from any bullshit. So on that side, I think he's done really well given the situation he's had to deal with. I agree. Who ends up being the coach? I don't know. But if, like you said, if Flanagan's available, he's the only kind of real one who's had a job that I'd consider. Out of all the other ones, I'd say rookie coach, and it would be O'Brien, Riles, Fitzgibbon, probably the three that I'm looking at. Demetrio, if he was interested might interview, but I don't think he would be. I, I kind of feel that that's going to be a link with Wayne Bennett until that Job's done a bit like Captain in the past. So, Nathan Brown, uh, we'll see how that plays out for Newcastle moving forward. Tackle two, uh, very scary incident. Matt Scott (laughs) playing football on the weekend, and suddenly now he's in hospital. He's had a mild stroke. Uh, The details were a little bit vague. I think it basically said that he felt a bit crook on the flight on the way home, and they touched down, and then before you know it, he was in hospital. And he, yeah, uh, I was a bit rattled just kind of reading that because you think, like, he's only 34. Yeah, he's retiring. Like, but to have a stroke, yeah, crazy for a, a you know a fit rugby league player, a guy who's in good nick. Like, that's that's some scary stuff. And yeah. our best, uh, our thoughts, and best wishes, and all that go to Matt Scott and his family and everyone at this point in time. it's not something you want to be dealing with, obviously. But even the thought, like, that oh, this way, oh, he'll be ruled out, or will he get like a swan something like, F- who cares about rugby league when yeah. you've just had something like this happen in your life? The career he's had, he has nothing to prove to anybody. And I'm sure he'd. If he is right to go, he'd love to play one more last game at North Queensland if that was the case. But if if this is the end, like your health, your life, everything everything after football is a lot more important than playing one more game. Yeah. But well, no, that, oh, reading that today, I was just like, that's, yeah, that's crazy. So thoughts uh, with Matt Scott and his family, hopefully a speedy recovery. Tackle three, the Hall of Fame. Last week, obviously, we had the four players put in. I think it was Stacey Jones, Wiki, Danny Badiris, Craig Young that they also added in a member of broadcast journal uh, broadcast media. Uh, They had someone from journalism as well on the administrative side. They had lots of big names that were there, but no surprise as far as broadcast uh, media was concerned. Ray Warren was in first and pretty humbled. But been over TV for forty five years, he's been the voice of rugby league for all of us, I guess, growing up. And why I don't know. Frank Hyde and a lot of the other guys previously like. Uh, again, he, he was very humble and saying he thought they would have been in first. I'm sure their time will come, but Ray Warren is the voice of rugby league. Yeah. He really is. JJ Giltman, administrator, one of the founding fathers of the game, along with Daly Messenger. Obviously, his name is on the minor premiership. Funnily enough, like rugby league, ended up getting ousted out of the whole setup. Uh, as seems to be the case as always. And the other one was journalism, Peter Frilingos, who obviously a lot of people, if you watch the Daly Medal, the article of the year or the story of the year he's named after Peter Fellingos. I think he was the lead sports journalist there for rugby league or editor in chief at the yep. Daily Telegraph and I can for remember him on, 40 uh, years
2: early days of Fox Sports the back page when that first started it was him and Billy Birmingham and that was when it was it was a um, it was a good show to watch I don't I don't watch as much of the I guess the back page now but uh, I guess he was in a similar mould to Paul Kent and you know I hope I'm not talking out of school there but uh, a lot of what I see in Paul Kent now is, is how Chippy Frelingosh used to be. He could at times be abrasive, he's, he's funny, uh, but had a great passion for the game and um, was, yeah, an excellent journalist. So um, Yeah, good, really good to see him acknowledged.
1: And there you go. So we've got four more players in the Hall of Fame, three now in for different areas of the game and contributions to the game, so congratulations to those guys as well. Tackle four, the Raiders rise and prove themselves a real threat this week and the bunnies continue to fall is their Mm. contender status kind of slipping away and i guess brock we thought the raiders were the real deal you probably more so than me i didn't say i didn't think they could win the comp but i thought there was a few little things that needed to change in particular contributions of their spine members and too much reliance on hodgson and that forward pack and also needing to take a scalp they've had Games against the top five of those sides around them this year and they haven't got away with one yet. They've been close in every single game, but there's no better way to announce yourself to the competition than to go down to Melbourne, beat Melbourne in Melbourne, and even more so given the way that it happened. They were down 18-zip halftime, two guys were sin bin. It was just all running downhill against them and then they scored 22 unanswered points in the second half to come back and win this game. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think you can make a much better statement. and I think for them... This is the real either turning point or downfall, how they act after this. If they take that as belief, and we do have it in this, and go the right way about it, I think they generally are a threat for the competition. Yeah. If they read into that and think, okay, we beat Melbourne, we can beat anyone, and things kind of tail off, you'd like to think that motivates you more now that you've beat Melbourne, but the personality of the Raiders of the past, I think maybe they might fall in love with themselves. This year's Raiders, I don't think they will. I think they'll take this in stride. This will build their belief even more and they'll now be a genuine, if they already weren't genuine, an even bigger threat now after getting that result in Melbourne. Because my big question was if they finish third or fourth, can they go to Melbourne week one? Can they beat the Roosters in week one in a big game and get the week off? Because I think if they can't do that, I don't think they'll go the long way around the mountain. I don't think they'll win four games in a row. But I think they proved to themselves on the weekend that if they do have to play away from home, week one in the finals, they're going to be a big threat to either of those two teams that finish one and two, if they don't end up finishing second themselves.
2: So yeah, it's hard, really hard to argue. Um, I I loved them. I I really felt I felt strongly on a few things. Obviously the Melbourne and the Roosters were <clears throat> were clear um, up the top of the table, but. I felt really strongly that the Raiders were on the improve. I felt really strongly that Souths were on the decline. Um, and then the week I said Souths were on the decline, Andrew Johns came out and said, "I think Souths will win the comp." So I thought, far out! Like, what am I not seeing that Andrew Johns is seeing? And it's, I'm not. That's saying no, that. um, no. I'm just yeah. saying that's no um, nah, knock not on Andrew Johns, but it made me stop and think. Far out! Like maybe yeah, I've maybe I've gone off a little bit early here, but, and I just didn't trust my gut. Hmm. But I'm glad I said it because. I genuinely believe that, and it's it's sort of come true. Like Souths are on the skids a little bit, but I think a lot of what's happening to Souths is through roster and injury. Uh, there's no argument that when they get their best side on the field that they're a top-four side. The
1: question is, will
2: they? Will they? That's, that's the thing. health
1: after origin. Cabra
2: for me, it, it's different. Right? That's, I, I think they play a style of football that uh, can potentially upset those two sides at the top. If they had to play a series against... <laughs> Melbourne in a series against the Roosters, do I think they could beat them in a series? No. But you've only got to be better than them for 80 minutes. Yeah. On your day. And I just think Canberra have um, just a, a different dynamic across the park. They've they've got players in, in every position and every facet of the game where they can uh, put a hole in you. And I, I don't think there's a forward playing better than Josh Papali mm-hmm. since Origin. I thought he was probably the best forward in state of origin. I know Queensland didn't win the series, but he was I thought he was probably the best performed forward in the Origin series. They got Josh Hodgson, who I would say is the second best hooker in the game. Or I'd say he's playing better than Damian Cook at the moment, and you know that's not a knock on Damian Cook, but
0: he's, he's playing just...
2: fantastic. They got Charles Nickel Clockstad, who's come onto the scene this year, who you know I would never have uh, predicted to play as well as what he have, uh, what he has. They've then got Joey Le who's come back, they thought he was going to be out. They're still going to get um well, they've got their look. right
1: side back now. They've got him and Rapana feet off each other.
2: You got this and then you've got this um you know, the pommy contingent, Whitehead and Bateman.
1: They got offloads, skill, they've got the ability they're just, to just ball yeah, play.
2: They're the they're
1: the real dark horse for me. And I think the other big one, and I've said this for years, and you'll back me up, anyone who listens this back me up, I always said that I thought Jack was a centre, or if not, if he was gonna be in the front line, he'd make them better defensively. And if one thing rings true, I think not only the Pommies and them getting the lighter across the park, but him coming up and plugging in that left edge to help out Jared Croker, who I still think at times is not one of the better defensive centres, as well as the way they've changed their system to playing more up and in and being more aggressive on the inside shoulder. All these kind of moves in the off-season have all combined into what we are seeing right now yeah. and the football side they've become. And I think the other thing also, a couple of years ago, we used to speak about their bench and they used to roll Papali and Boydie and Vornie and that three or four years ago in this window, open, This year, I guess, having the ability to roll on Soliola or they've benched Papali at times or they've benched De Plain at times and Corey Horsberg has burst on the scene and done a really, really good job or Yusevili as a middle or put him in at nine and roll up. They're getting a lot of value out of their bench too. Yeah. Their bench is not just coming onto the field and holding the fort. They're either driving the momentum or they're offering a different dynamic. And even Sutton, to be honest, I didn't know a lot about Sutton before he got here uh, now that he's back the last few weeks and healthy again, he also brings another dynamic. So yeah, A lot of upside there. For South, on the other end, I think it's more what you said. Uh, they had a real good start to the season. They had a big contingent going to origin. Uh, they didn't rest Damien Cook or a few of these guys, but I also think the Burgess trio has really let them down. George, coming into the season, not really healthy, then gets suspended. Tom, not so much. I think he's had injury a couple of times, but it hasn't really been suspended. Then you've got Set. Sam started the year on fire, but now he's had a bit of a streak where the sho- <laughs> shoulder, the drip, the infection, the suspension, and now he's hurt his quad again. Like, With those three missing, they lose the bulk of what makes the engine tick. Yeah. If they can't lay a platform, guys like Totola, Liam Knight, and that, all that work really well off those big boys and help it move forward, don't play as well, which then takes Damian Cook out of the game, which then takes away the time and space that Adam Reynolds gets to dictate and kick behind and... That's Cody Walker, run wild and free. It just has a knock-on effect, and it all goes back to the middle. And right now, like you said, Damien Cook, I don't think he's not trying hard or not playing well, but he's not playing as well as the direct effect of their middles. And it's proved on the weekend. They played the Bulldogs, who have been outstanding, mind you. Yeah. Zero line breaks. Couldn't put a hole in them. Could have put an a dent in them. Played side to side. Really, really struggled. And I'm at the point now where this may sound insane, but to me, top four or getting to the finals healthy is something they're going to have to decide on. And I think top four is now the question. So my thought is, Adam Reynolds is playing with a bad back. Sam Burgess is going to be out with this quad for a few weeks. Braden Burns is now gone probably for the season. Yeah. Anyone that is injured right now, and I, again, no one's won it from the bottom half of the eight, but do you want to limp into the finals and go out week one? Mm. Or do you want to get healthy? And I think they're at a point now where there's nothing for them to gain unless they genuinely think they can push top four. If Adam Reynolds is going to potentially get injured or play busted, if Sam Burge is going to miss the next couple of weeks, I'd almost look at the perspective that we're going to be in the finals. I'm going to rest Adam. I'm going to rest Sam. I don't want to get to week one, and we'll just try and have a full-on assault on the finals, even if they rest Cook for a week. That may sound stupid, but I think the top four is now gone. I really do. Yeah, like, yeah. And I may be wrong, but if Sam doesn't play and Reynolds plays busted and gets hurt – And Tom and George aren't there And they don't This is the way it's going to be For the next few weeks This week against Brisbane It's winnable Depending on who plays Because they're now missing Turpin Tavita Pangai Jr Uh, They've got the Roosters Last round There's no guarantee Of them getting top four But I'm saying The odds are slimmer now So do you want to get To the bottom half Of the eight healthy Or do you want to limp in And I'm almost at the point Where any of those guys That are busted I'd almost just say Well let's just Let's just see where we land Whether they fall all the way to the seventh I don't really care but if they want to make an assault on the finals, I think they've got a decision to make soon because they're not healthy.
2: <clears throat> yeah. Hard to argue. That's hard to argue because, well, particularly if they lose this week, your top four is done. Yep. And if top four is done.
1: Yeah.
2: So, <sighs> and, uh, yeah. I, they're just in a difficult situation. They really I'm, are.
1: Really, oh, injury and Still waiting for Johnston, form and, the tree burgeye. Brown's now, gone for the season. time's
2: a factor, so they've slid, the Rabideaus, really slid.
1: Big call, big call. Tackle 5, and the big thing that's been going on this week, and I thought this would be one of the ones we probably spent more time on, but we invested a lot into the Browns situation because it is a, a big piece of news as far as the NRL is concerned and that club and then moving forward, but the whole storm funeral this week, and you could talk about this from so many different directions. Yeah, You could talk about it from Richardson... Taking a shot to Dave Donohue's response to Paul Kent, Hooper, Crawley, and just about every single journalist driving the engine again that Melbourne's the worst thing to happen to rugby league. Or you can take it from players who are coming out and speaking on defending Melbourne like Benji Marshall did tonight or Finch did the other night or Cooper Cronk or just about any... I Buzz, bash. Buzz, Buzz defended the story. He storm. wrote an article, mate, saying they're not even the most charged side in the competition, Kenty. Mm. South's through Barbs, but they've got 34 weeks combined. Melbourne only have 14. The Warriors have more charges than anybody, but no one talks about them, mate, because they're not in the finals. <sighs> For me, this is ground we go over every single year, right? And the wrestle thing, like that part of the argument, pfft, like. We've said this a million times, and it, people probably take it better from your mouth than they did for me because I go from Melbourne. But everybody wrestles, yeah. And whether he, whether they like it or not, and they complained the other night that man they had a coach back in the day, and Gordon Talisey said on the weekend that bloody Brisbane they had a wrestling coach back in the night. Everybody does it because what's the central part of rugby league? The ruck. You want to slow down the ruck, and everyone needs to take that advantage. And then. When the journalists don't like what they're getting From the players about it Then they flip the story and go Well no no it's not just the wrestle Which is Melbourne It's the fact that Melbourne introduced These illegal tackles or these techniques They want to crash people's necks They want to do the chicken wing They want to do the roll. They want to do this that and the other Yeah But then you've got Josh Reynolds again Also on the weekend So you know we wrestle as much as anybody else Or Cooper Cronk got the Roosters now So I've done the exact same thing at Melbourne At the Roosters In a Queensland camp In an Australian camp Uh, you know and then the argument again the flip side when they don't like that side is oh well why didn't Nelson get charged last week like again you point the finger at Melbourne for something they don't control it's the NRL's job and the referee's job to pick tackles penalise tackles punish players or the match review committee and the NRL etc to take control of that if they have an edict much like Finchie was saying that they didn't like the wrestling they wanted to get out of the game I'm sure they would have dressed it by now yeah but they haven't, and everybody does it. And no different to just about every fucking thing that happens in rugby league. One person coughs, everyone catches a cold. When the Roosters started doing the up and in defence in the early 2000s, everybody did it. Yeah. When, Gang it, beca- tackling when and- it became sliced bread that everyone wanted to turn halves into fullbacks, what did every club do? Everyone started to copy to do it to get a ball playing thing. Running number nines now, or ball playing number, like anything that changes in the game, everyone latches onto. And yeah. they all do it for one reason. And the big thing again, would we really be talking about this if it wasn't Melbourne sitting down there on their own or if they weren't winning? If Melbourne were dead last and they had all these dirty tactics or they stunk and other the Gold Coast Titans, would we give two fucks? No, yeah, that's right. And the Cameron Smith thing, I'm the biggest advocate of Cameron Smith, I'm a Melbourne fan. Is he a grub? 100% he's a grub. I think he's a grub. Oh, like he, get, he gets a little bit like, don't tell me, like anyone that watches rugby league like, and you know, listens to this show, surely... If you watch enough football and you slow down tackles and you watch everything, I could sit there and freeze frame you a million things on the weekend and don't tell me that shit doesn't happen. Happens in every plenty tackle. of rucks.
2: I think the the Smith one and like let's I'll jump I'll go to that one first. Firstly, he didn't grab his ear. He grabbed his jersey and he moved his hand up and put pressure on his ear. No doubt about it. He then didn't grab like, his ear. He didn't yank at his ear. They, there was no still slow it out. down. There is no second movement or grabbing movement onto his ear. So, did he apply pressure to the ear? Yes.
1: Yeah, with his that, fist. that happens
2: in every—not in every tackle, but—and it happened occasionally. That was a point of, of pain. That's the point of pain that that uh, Smith chose in this tackle. Every team, and every defensive coach in the competition, is teaching their players to grab parts of the body, to manipulate different joints, to um, apply pressure to different places in order to win the play the ball. Every club is doing that. I've been at four. Well, I've seen firsthand training at four different um, NRL clubs, from 16s through to 20s, and all of them are using wrestling, jiu-jitsu, tackling techniques, which people would think are, I guess, wrestling-based, and they are. Essentially, the game has now turned into a collision sport, but from the collision to the ground, it is a wrestle, control,
1: because you want control. It's a
2: wrestle. You know, again, like the only, and look, I'll say this if, if, if there's going to, if you don't listen to anything about what I've, what I've said about Melbourne and wrestling, listen to this. The only untimed part of the game, an uncontrolled time of the game for defenders to pinch time is from when a tackle is secured and the ball is wrapped up mm. to when the play hits the ground. And even that now has been manipulated a little bit because a referee at times, if there's, not enough movement in the tackle, they'll still call held. Yeah, That is the only time where you can pinch, pinch time, mm. essentially. So if you can pinch two or three seconds there, that's enough for your defenders and your defensive line to retreat, hold, and be ready to go to get off the line for the next tackle. If you lose that contact and the attacking player finds the ground and your defense doesn't hit the line and get off at the same time as the ball is played, you essentially lose the game. You lose control of that set, you lose field position, and essentially, if that keeps happening, that's a flow-on effect in a set. But if that keeps happening, set after set after set, you lose the game. That's essentially rugby league in a nutshell mm. in 2019.
1: And what I don't get right: the evolution of rugby league from 100 years. The Roosters started to this, now, not Melbourne.
2: I supported the Roosters through the Ricky Stewart era. The The reason – this was an evolution of the Roosters, right? So all the stuff in the 90s, like you said, it was the the Bulldogs up and in and it was aggressive and it was shoulder charging and there was no emphasis on slowing down the play the ball because everyone getting up to play the ball just took their time. It didn't matter. Mm. And I will say this. Players understood how to play with lines that were up on them, defensive lines that were up and defensive lines that were back. They knew knew how to play – in space and in restricted space, and I think that's something that we've taken away from this modern generation Structure. of player because all these copycat coaches at junior league levels are coaching their players to just play the block block shit, and they're they're turning them into robots. So no player now understands how to look up and play. Everyone everyone's got this big thing in their head that uh, the barrier in their head. Well, we need it. We need to win the play level, We need time. And like, yeah, you do need that, yep. and the game is reliant upon that. But you're not going to get that on every tackle. No. So what do you do when you don't have that space? You need to teach your players how to manage that as well. Mm-hmm. And that is is the reason why a lot of teams are down the, uh, the bottom of the ladder. But going back to my point, Ricky Stewart then just got the roosters fucking fit as shit. Mm. And their line speed was as aggressive and as nasty as anyone in the competition. And I'll tell you, the only thing that really I believe that stopped them from beating Penrith in the 0-3 grand final was the weather. But And just that they, they were poor And they were poor against the dogs in the 0-4 in the grand final They could have easily won three comps in a row They just started getting numbers in the tackle And just putting blokes on their back And the NRL ad- ad- adapted to that They started to say Well, you know You're not allowed to peel out of the tackle You're not allowed to hold players up So, you know What's the next evolution of that? The evolution is Okay, we we're going to hit really hard But instead of putting you on the ground straight away we're going to hold you up and then we're going to wrestle and and put you to the ground slowly and what you're saying and the game has now not broken out of that
1: no and this is what what you're saying is also a symptom of the change in athlete too from the time yeah that's
2: that's a fair point the
1: 90s to here to now like people bring up that point and I'm sorry but it can't happen only two on the tackle look that can't happen my first year playing under 20s we played Jason Tamalola do you think two people can stop Jason Tamalola do you think one person can control the ball with Jason Tamalala mm. or Choppy's legs, most of the time it took four of us. These <coughs> athletes are stronger, more powerful, more dynamic. Your David feeders, your painhasses. Everything is just a symptom of the game and an evolution of the game. But my whole point is, from 1908 or whenever rugby league started to right now, everything starts at the ruck. Whether they re- didn't wrestle or do whatever they did back then in the day, everything mm. comes back to if you win the ruck and you generally get play the ball speed, or you got guys retreating or out of position, you can play at them. And obviously, with evolution, coaching, athletic, everything leads to where we are right now. Are they the best at it? Yeah, Melbourne are the best at it. Do See, they? I'm not sure they are.
2: I'm not sure they are this year. I'm not sure they are the best um, rut control team in the court. My main and issue, I'll say that honestly. Yeah, my main I, and that's issue is still criticism and is the it. again. It's just that's part of the reason why I, I I fear for Melbourne because I'm I'm not sure they've got the middle players. Particularly on their bench, that have as good a tackle technique as your Finucane, as your think Bromwich, the as your Smith the best side. Yeah, no, but I'm talking about from a ruck ruck perspective, a ruck control. This well, that's what we're talking about. We're mm. talking about the wrestle essentially. I'm not sure they are the best team. Mm. Like look at Brady Croft, the oh. guy can't tackle at all. No, so you know he can you can say as much as you want about you know the Melbourne do this and Melbourne do that. Like they. You can have whatever techniques you want, but if blokes are massive, like Croft, is tiny. He's mm. a little man. You're never going to be able to teach him that. In, in terms of the Melbourne bashing, I, I think there's two... 2 I've got two takes on it. One, do I think Melbourne get away with a lot? Yeah, I do. Yeah,
1: I know. I'm a Melbourne but fan, and I agree with
2: that. Do I? do I think that they're doing things that every other club is not doing? No, I don't. Like,
1: My whole thing is the conspiracy I, I'm going to get theory. Frustrated.
2: I know I'm going to get frustrated on the weekend. When I'm watching Melbourne do a three-man peel out of the tackle, is that Melbourne's fault? No, the referee should fucking penalise them for. In the NRL, and this is my whole point. Like the, the German... that, 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 I don't get angry at Melbourne. Yeah. I, I say I tip my hat and say, "Well, well done." If you can get away with it, every every coach, and I'm a coach, and and you're a coach, you, if you can pinch one little advantage in every tackle, we all do it, it. it Fucking adds up.
1: Coaches are always looking for way and again, whether people like it or not, they go. Coaches whinge about this, so they do that. Every coach has got an agenda. Everyone's looking for an edge. Everyone's looking for an advantage. And all this stuff, during the is it in the spirit of the game? And is this like fucking... Mm. If the NRL had a problem with it, if the refs had a problem with it, they'd all pin it. But my thing that kills me, my main point going all the way back well, to... I have someone, an issue, But Go, go back out of that.
2: I, I have an issue with coaches being on the competition committee.
1: I have an issue with that too. And I have
2: an issue, secondly, with the fact that rules are changed during a season.
1: Yeah, stop. They're the two things that I don't everything. like.
2: Get coaches off the fucking competition committee because that's wrong. Uh, and, and secondly, you can't change rules Unless it's a player welfare safety thing mm. Mid-season, can't do it The only other thing I would say, right You want to talk about wrestle And you want to talk about tackle technique And you want to talk about uh, you know, the speed of the ruck The only thing The only thing that coaches cannot um, adapt for In a game is fatigue And I'm seeing it now And I'll point out Daniel Alvaro This is the one point I'll, one incident I'll point out on the weekend Because I got fired up the Titans were getting spanked. It had nothing to do with the with the result of the game. Eagles were by far the better team. Titans get a penalty going in. Daniel Alvaro got knocked on his ass on the play before, or was a dead marine in a ruck. Titans get a penalty there about 15 out from Parramatta's line, and Daniel Alvaro just stayed down. Referee calls timeout, goes over to Daniel Alvaro. How are you, mate? Parramatta trainer comes out. Daniel Alvaro stands up, goes to the 10-meter line, stands there. Parramatta line's getting set. Gold Coast Titans are scratching their dick. Referee waits, waits, waits. I reckon it probably went on for about 30 seconds. Daniel Alvaro joins the line. No punishment. Line set. Way they go. That is the reason why you're seeing a lot of wrestle, and you're seeing a lot of these defensive tactics take over. They've got to eliminate all these stoppages from the game. The fact that the bunker, we go to the bunker for fucking obvious tries because referees are too scared to make a decision. I I, I really don't understand how we can't go to the American-style system where you're a water try and and you're behind the line and if if it comes up and it's an absolute doozy of a fuck-up by the referee, Mm. it's overturned. Mm. Look at it on a replay. Come back out. And we'll play from there, but I think you'll find the majority of the time the referees do get it right. They're just gun shy. Yeah.
1: I think getting back to the whole point. Get the
2: fatigue back in the game, and then you won't have all this wrestling and, and things f- like that.
1: For all the layers who've gone through that, my I think my issue again, the media and what people choose to buy and do can really drive an agenda if they want to. And for almost a week plus oh, now. And you know what? And I said this to you. They've done before. nothing but aim it all back at Melbourne. My thing is they go. I said
2: this to you over dinner. There's an appetite for it in Sydney. I don't think there's an appetite for it in Brisbane because Cameron Smith is like a god in fucking Brisbane and in Queensland. Mm. I don't think there's an appetite for it in Melbourne because A, they don't give a fuck or B, they support Melbourne. It's There's an appetite for it in Sydney because everyone in Sydney hates Melbourne and hates Queensland. <laughs> I
1: think to disagree. That's it. It sells papers, man. Well, I, I get more frustrated, not even a Melbourne fan, I get rush, frustrated as a rugby league person. that. I like 360 and I want to read a, to read a story about how Canberra beat Melbourne. Another yeah. story about players that have a up- like, Well, last
2: night on three sixty, they went fifteen minutes into this, and then they go, "Oh, can we talk about Melbourne winning? Ah, win- oh, sorry, Canberra winning the game." It's fuck. like, well, yeah, and the, like the two
1: points going back to it about? all again, like just beating the dead horse. Like. And you know what?
2: Melbourne got beat on the weekend.
1: They lost, and we're still talking about Melbourne. <coughs> and the the whole conspiracy, like, Melbourne to this and Greenberg bought his white. Yeah. Like fuck, if the NRL CEO chose to that, is it a good look? No, it's not. But why is that Melbourne's fault? If Sorry. Cameron Smith's not penalised or the wrestling tactics aren't stopping it, like, everything was in control of the match officials. The NRL. If they want something to change, they can do it. My issue, Melbourne started the wrestle. No, they didn't. Brisbane had a wrestling cage. Man, they the back in the day, the roost, Like you said, have they ramped things up or have they gone a new level or have they found a new avenue or a way to get control of a game or change the way the games every, There's been changes over the 100 years that people have led or innovated or pioneered in all different areas of the game. Yeah. And then the symptom to go back to it, oh, well, they're the only ones that these journalists have been carrying on the main point They do all the grubby stuff, or they invented this shit. Like, blokes don't go at the main people. Like, oh, the crash, or they tuck their arms under, then drop on their head. This year, the, the worst crash tackles haven't involved Melbourne. One of the worst ones I can think of was Mitch Barnett, who's a guy I really like, who did that double underhook grip and dropped on someone's head. Yeah. Pungo Jr. jumped on somebody, like, they wanted to whinge about the Nelson one last week, and again, oh, Melbourne. Like, Melbourne not the match review committee why is that Melbourne's fault yeah uh, they get let's oh well, fuck like my I man it's just again it's just easy to bring it up and it's an easy story and everything else but I guess the main point again <coughs> is take my side out of it like just that the media can really drive an agenda and how many people just feed into stuff and just turn it into an absolute piranha just feast yeah. of rubbish and it's been almost a week now and again they're still talking about it on Three Sixty tonight, still in the paper every day James Hooper's right, run about dojos and some Melbourne bloke who barely played a handful of games is apparently barred for talking about the secret tactics. Like, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff in the last week. I'm just like, I like a lot of these journalists, and I'm a big fan, but it just
2: find something else to talk about. I will tell you what, if there is secret tactics, and I was Craig Bellamy,
1: I wouldn't be fucking releasing them either because it's working. If you're you're a coach though, and I'm a, every coach, what do you do as a coach? You're always trying to find something new, attack. Yeah, not so much technique. new.
2: You just want it. You want it to be effective. You yeah. want everything you're doing to be effective. And yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah. I just think you you try and just improve your players. Yeah, your job so. is to prepare your players to perform their best on the field. So you implement your your training program and the drills and the, and the things that you implement at training are all based around the fact that you you believe that that's the best thing for the players in order to prepare them to perform on the weekend. It's simple as that. And that's never going to be the same from one coach to another. Everyone's going to have their different spin on it.
1: Yeah. Well, again, I'd like them just to talk about footy for once. Yeah. Every week, refs, we touch on little bits and pieces as well each week ourselves, but the amount of negative shit week in, week out, coaches whinging about this, refs whinge about that, we need a crackdown, too many penalties, now there's not enough penalties, they wrestle, they do like just fucking something positive would be nice, or a week without having to be offended or contribute, like just beating up on someone or picking on something. Like every so often, the media'd be nice not to always have to be in crisis. Apparently, every single week. Yeah. But this week in particular, like again, um, uh, yeah, it, it just say it does seem convenient this time of year. I know it's happened a lot of years, and I'll take that away again from the Melbourne side of things. But like for fuck's sake, Cameron Smith's no saint, Melbourne aren't no saint either. But like they're constant finger point. They're the only ones that do it. They introduced this, it's all of them, rare like it's a crock of shit. Yeah, it's a dead set crock of shit. <sighs> Huge set of six tonight, very, very long. We've gone on a couple of bigger ants, but last one we got here, the bottom eight race and the top four has opened back up. So you've clearly got Melbourne, even after the loss on the weekend, they're still two clear of the Roosters who have also got themselves two wins clear of Manly, South. The Raiders are sit one behind, they can potentially get second spot, but I think with what the Roosters have got left over, that Storm and them are probably going to be 1 2. I think the Raiders are pretty much locked in now on four and against in particular. They're 60 points better than the next best team behind them who's a win behind in Manly on 28. But then you've got South, Rabbitohs, Eels, all locked on 28, <laughs> all different four against. One of these teams is going to be top four and at the moment I'd probably say...
2: It's going to be the winner of Manly power last round, I would mm, think.
1: Manly looked the most likely for me, but I think they also have the hardest draw on the run home. Then you've got South, who, like I said before... Could well, I think
2: Canberra will beat Manly this weekend. Mm, I, I think, think so. the Rabbitohs will win. I think the Eels will win. So that'll put Manly back down in six. So I, I don't know. And then next week it's all going to change again. So there is a chance here for Parramatta.
1: There is because I, I think
2: Parramatta will go close to winning all three
1: because Manly have a hard draw. And then that last game, I think, like you said, is at Bankwest. I think, isn't it, against Manly? And then you got South. You've got the dogs at Bankwest
2: this week. Then they got Manly at Bankwest. Uh in the last round, I think they play the Broncos in the middle mm. the middle game.
1: So there's three teams there basically still fighting to get themselves in the top four, and I think Canberra are safe. They're gonna win one more of their games. Then four and against wise, I don't think anyone's gonna push them out. They're gonna be third or fourth. Yeah, Broncos Eels is round twenty-four. So so. Top six you can lock that in. Then you've got the bottom side of things, but you've got the Broncos on twenty-three now, but they've got Pango who's just been suspended for five weeks. Jake Turpin the next two weeks, just deered and play. We've got to look at the lineup soon we do our tips. Sharks on 22, who are terrible on the weekend. Panthers on 22, sitting outside. And then you've got Knights-Tigers on 20 in the Warriors. Well, this
2: weekend's an elimination game. The loser of Knights-Tigers is done.
1: Yeah. The Panthers,
2: they go out to play the
1: Cowboys. That's a must win.
2: So that's going to take us to, what, 10 teams next week? Mm-hmm. You know, and then you're going to have... Well,
1: you know, the Eagles, Broncos. Panthers have to beat the Cowboys. They Panthers play
2: Newcastle.
1: The Sharks, Sharks are home Tigers. to the Warriors. They have to win that game. Yeah. And the Broncos this week against South Short. I, the, the I think if the Broncos can win this
2: week and the Sharks win this week, it makes it awfully hard for Penrith and Newcastle to jump in.
1: I think there's a big... Because op- Penrith
2: are going to play the Roosters and they're going to play each other.
1: Yeah, I think there's a big chance for Newcastle.
2: Newcastle, if Newcastle can string three together...
1: Tigers-Titans, this week they get the Tigers. You've got Robbie Farr and Jacob Little, <laughs> both out, and then you've got the case next week with the Titans. But no offence to your mob, but I just don't... Oh, they win. Newcastle no. win. Yeah, They come to Penrith last round with a chance to get in. And that's because and I it think... it could
2: be that both sides are on 24 points.
1: And you've got Brisbane, who don't have a bad draw, but obviously they are affected there. You've got the Sharks, who are still going to play a couple of difficult games. They finish with Canberra and Manly, don't they? Or well, Canberra is one of their games, I'm pretty who, who sure. Who are we talking about, button? The Sharks still have to play Canberra, from memory. Next well, this week.
2: this weekend, Eels got the Dogs, and Cowboys, the Panthers, Warriors. Broncos, Rabbits, Sharks, Warriors, Tigers, Knights, Dragons, Roosters, Storm, Titans, and then you got the big game, Raiders, Manly. <clears throat> Round 24, Cowboys, Dogs, that means bugger all. Warriors in New Zealand against the Rabbitohs. Then you got Broncos, Eels, which is huge. Knights, as you said, Titans. Manly, Melbourne, which will be huge. So Manly got a tough run. Uh, Roosters, Panthers, which is massive for Penrith. Sharks, Raiders. Penrith have to win this week, full stop. Yeah, Sharks, Raiders. And then Dragons, West Tigers. And then in the final round, you've got Rabbits, Roosters, which is huge. Eels, uh, Manly, which will be essentially a playing game for the top four, you would think. Storm, Cowboys. Storm will smash the Cowboys. Raiders at home to the Warriors, which is big. I think they'll win. That's that's a Saturday afternoon three pm game. Don't underestimate the importance of a side like Canberra playing in the daytime. Dogs Broncos that that could be for the Broncos to get in. That's an ANZ Stadium. They don't have a great record at ANZ. The Broncos Titans Dragons, which is a fizzer, and then you've got the big Sunday to finish off. Potentially could be West Tigers Sharks and Penrith Newcastle. That's on the final Sunday of the uh, of the regular season. So. Man, we've got some awesome games. I can only really see three or four stinkers out of, out of all those games. They're all going to have some sort of repercussion on the finals, which is excellent, exactly what we want.
1: Well, looking at it right now, out of those teams, I, I kind of think the Sharks will get in. And again, they, they've been up and down. The weekend was terrible. but the way th- won. The way things have yeah. panned out, I think they're the most likely to get in right now. Brisbane losing those two players is huge. Their draw is favourable, but I still can't even rely on them to probably win this week. I don't know. And even the Bulldogs down last round it's no pushover. If they go in the Bulldogs game and Matt Gillette's still not playing, Pengai suspended, mm. Dearden, Turpin, he, no one's playing. Like, Sharks, they're going to play a bloody Tigers at Leichhardt. Mm. And then like Penrith, if they win this week and then get hammered by Rains. the Roosters, they're still on 24. Newcastle. That, like,
2: for Cronulla, you have to win this week. And then you're probably just got to win one of your last two to get
1: in. Well, the last week could be down to Panthers, Knights, Sharks, Bro- like they could all be in contention last round. I, I Feel Even bad. the Tigers. Tigers
2: beat. Tigers beat Newcastle this week. I can't.
1: They see then the run
2: Tigers. into the Dragons, and then they're, they're at Leichhardt against Cronulla.
1: Yeah, I, I can't see the Tigers. Unfortunately, I think the I in, can't either. But what
2: I'm saying is, there's still a chance. Yeah, there's still, still a chance. I, I can't know. see them win a three in a row. I can't see it, but they're a chance.
1: There you go. So we've got plenty of drama to come. I've got big
2: money riding on the Tigers
1: as well. I know you do. I I need them to not make the finals. I think they're not going to make the finals, but there you go. Set of six, massive, we've ranted, we've raved, 50 minutes worth. So you're crook. I'm sick of the We don't need fan questions, I think, with everything we've done, and I'm sure we would have covered most things. Anything we don't cover, hit us back next week. I know there's also a few inboxes that I replied to and said we will do this week, but unfortunately uh, we won't be, but... We'll get back to, or I'll apply it to you in the inbox. So I apologize for that again. But Power Rankings now brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. Get yourself onto one of their systems. We're all on board. That time of the year is coming around again. If you want award-winning trade services done at your house, they won the best trades and services business in the Penrith Local Business Awards, Western Sydney Business Awards, Penrith Solar Centre. They are the way to go. Tackle your rising power bills head on this season with the help of Solar Energy the team at PSC are passionate about helping Western Sydney sin bin rising electricity bills for good so find out how Solar Center can make you your home and your family the big winners this season with quality solar solutions for your family and your home visit www.penrasola.com.au for more information or give them a call 1800 30 Jake and the crew there. the best there is none better number one Brock power rankings roosters, roosters. Uh, the win on the weekend still missing multiple players I really like the way they're travelling number two Storm, pushed out of one for the first time in a long time for me.
2: Yeah, I've, well, I've had them at one and two. I've had the Raiders at three. i I've, I've, Despite the Raiders upsetting the Storm, I've stuck with the Storm at two, and I've got
1: the Raiders at three. Yeah, and I'm the same, and it's purely for the fact it's their first top five scout. Melbourne are still <coughs> wins clear, and they're going to be home, Melbourne 18, home yeah. final week one. So, again, I'm still going to leave them there for that reason. Raiders at number three, very worthy. Good scalp on the weekend. Building nicely. Lua back in the side. The way their middles are going right now, outstanding. Number four, Manly. I've got the Eels. Fair enough. I don't, I really don't know
2: who to stick into that spot, but I've, I've gone with the Eels.
1: All right. Well, number five. Uh, Manly. I had South today. But the more I think about it right now, if Sam Burgess isn't going to be playing next week, and Reynolds is still playing under a cloud. And they said Tom hurt his now on the And If Tom, George, and Sam are all missing next week with that lack of size, I think if they did play para tomorrow, that Parra would probably win. So, you know what? I'll, I'll push Para to five and South down to six for now. Yeah,
2: I've got South at six. Number seven? Sharks.
1: I've left the Sharks there as well. well i bumped them up. Number eight?
2: Uh, Broncos. But... I've got Panthers and Knights. Well, probably Panthers there that are right there, but the Broncos beat them, so I've bumped Penrith out.
1: And I did the same thing, and I almost put the Panthers back in purely because I looked at who was going to get suspended for the Broncos and the possibility of the draw, but I've left them at eight, so... Yeah. See what happens in the bottom end. But our power rankings brought to you by Penrith So i are saying that I'm...
2: 11 teams are still
1: alive. That eight plus Tigers, Panthers, Knights. Well, Titans gone, Dragons gone, Cowboys <clears> gone. <throat> the Dogs, people were saying mathematically, like they need everyone to lose. Like they're, they're yeah. one game back. It's too late for them. The Warriors have a chance. But again, I think... It's unbelievable the Dogs are having
2: in that conversation.
1: Yeah, insanity and the way they've come home. But realistically right now, like you said, I think we're down to 11 teams. But I think the Tigers, I'd almost be happy to scrap. So I yeah. think it's basically 10 teams now. But Penrith Sola a massive thank you to them. Again, if you're looking for a system, mention the fifth and last. Get on to Jake and the boys there. 1,800, 20, 29, 30, Game reviews from the weekend. Manly Tigers, 32-12 box head. Uh, things just don't get any easier for the Tigers, do they? No. They lose Robbie Farrer after having a little streak there where things were looking good. They lose Moses and buy. They lose that critical game to the Bulldogs, who have ruined a few people's chances at the back end of the season, and then twenty minutes in this one, when Little goes down, you just sit there going, "Wow, yeah, it's really, really falling apart." And I think they've punched well above their weight. But this game, it just wore on them. They played against a side with a huge forward pack, quality halves, outside backs that have emerged, a lot of guys that are punching well above their weight. And realistically, you had Oliver Clark, who's less than ten games, I think, into his first grade career, along with Matt Eisenhuth, who plays a little bit of lock or pushing in. And their rotation up against Anfinnul Blake and Martin Tepew, which is arguably one of the best front row combinations in the competition, and that's where they won the game. They yep. bust them up in the middle. Everything for Manly starts off the middle. I also think the balance of the side now. Dylan Walker a couple of years ago didn't work at six. He does now, and he's playing some good football. And that combination's building nicely. Tom from the back of the field. The way they start their sets off, like they, their back rows have been playing outstanding. And the big thing again that we've wrapped Desi for this year is getting the best out of your top thirty. Jack Kazuski comes in the other night after not playing for almost, I don't know, seven or eight games. Scores a double. Yep. does a job. Brendan Elliott was one of their best players filling in at left centre after starting the year playing on the wing at fullback. We've seen Corey Waddell, Paseka, Farnu, Parker, Ruben Garrett, all these guys who we didn't know at the start of the year, or Suli. He's getting the best out of everyone. They're getting the most out of their 30.
2: Yeah.
1: And I didn't think it was any different the other night. And After that injury and obviously the late try at the half to get it to 18-6, I thought that broke them the second half the Tigers showed plenty of resilience and toughness as they've done all year they've defended their line repeat sets penalties for almost 15-20 minutes but when the floodgates opened uh, it was game over and if anything I think they probably should have ran up a bit more of a score but for the Tigers you know I, I think much like Ivan Cleary the year before for Michael Maguire I think he as much out of the sponge with the, the, the squad he's got yeah they've been shot down by
2: injury so. simple as that uh, and I thought they, were, they had moments in this game they did they did have moments, but
1: uh I think season over, unfortunately. I think mm, it's some out well, it's must win now. Yeah. Too high to climb. Can't lose another one. Yeah. Losing hookers two weeks in a row definitely doesn't help. Uh, Josh Reynolds is gonna come in and play it all this week, so that'll be interesting. See how that pans out for them, definitely. Um on their side of things, I thought North had tried pretty hard as he has done all year. Benji had some moments, Madison, Lawrence coming off the bench doing a bit there and the Brooks knee was That was poor. Frustrating poor, not something I'd expect from him. Yeah. Not the kind of player I'd expect to do that. Contrary conduct, cop the fine. But yeah, I, I wouldn't expect that from him. But this game probably summed up in two areas. Possession was 65-35 basically for the game. Yeah. And it was 2,100 metres to 1,300. They just rolled all over the top of them. Harves with quality. DC controlled that game. Tom from the back of the field. Faneuil Blake, along with Papali. Like You want to talk about best props in the competition this year. And I think some people have said Tapau's not playing well. I don't think Tapau's not playing well. I think you just recognise a bit more... Uh, Fenua Blake probably because he's been a bit better in the offloading stakes and tackle breaking apart but those two as a duo are outstanding
2: yeah.
1: um, and all those other guys you mentioned that come and fill it in, Sully, Elliot, Walker at 6, they're just doing a great job Eels, Titans, 36-12 I don't even want to give this much air time, I didn't think Parra played that well to be honest and the coach said as much, errors penalties, a bit of ill discipline, they were very impatient inside 20 but at the end of the day they played the Gold Coast Titans um, they should have won, they did win it's a freebie for him. Basically, Moses continued his good form. His kicking game this year's been absolutely outstanding. His development, his control. Mo's moving on to Hull is going to be a big loss. He was outstanding in this game, and yeah, they've put themselves in a position to play top four football. Gold Coast side of things, probably the only thing I really can't figure out after watching this game is why AJ Brimson ended up on the bench. Yeah, and knows? I want to know why this week he's been named on the bench. No idea. And I'll throw another thing out there: the rumors about the Tigers thing the other week. Right now. Uh, not good for you if that is the case, but if I'm AJ Brimson, the way things are going there, where it's going to be in a couple of years' time, it wouldn't surprise me if he did jump off, which would be devastating. But I was really confused last week. Two outside backs on the bench, AJ Brimson pulled to get Gordon onto the field. Like, he's one of your best players, he stays on. Yeah. Unless he's injured or there's something I don't know, I don't know why he's off the field. And this week again, I, I can't understand why he's not no, starting. I mean, no. So, for me, I don't I, Unless Tenor Boyd's playing bad in Queensland Cup, like, you blow that team up right now. Yeah. If you bought him or you've got anyone else there you haven't played yet or you're not sure of, Darius Farmer, I don't know if he's injured or not. He was one of the young kids who's available to play. Tremaine Spry, who you know a little bit about from the room. I don't know who they are, but if there's anything you've got in your squad right now and the way they're going, I'm just blooding anyone to have a look. Yeah. But I took nothing out of this game except para got a free two points and I didn't think they played their best football. They didn't. So we'll no, move, yeah. on, move on from that one. Broncos-Panthers. This one, 24-12, to me, was a symptom of mainly the Panthers. Completion rate was horrible. Again, impatient. Couldn't hold on to the ball. Early errors, penalties. They just gifted the Broncos extra possession. The Broncos are slowly but surely figuring out, and I guess you have to more so with the fact their spine isn't really uh, filled out with players playing in those key positions in the right roles, that the power game is the best way to go for them. They just pounded their way upfield, yep. parked themselves inside 20, Penrith invited them there, gave them those extra opportunities, and eventually uh, they cracked. But the big turning point, I guess, in the game was Azarka. Azarka broke their back with one of those runs for a try, and I think Tony Staggs has continued across this season just to show himself as an absolute quality player. And I don't know why people are still complaining about them letting Roberts go. I think that was a fair swap, and we said that at the time. And the other one's paying Haas. Playing heart, like, again. Forget all the bits of early accolades. Like, he's 19. Yeah, craziness. And how many front rows get to the line and just run over a fullback? Or run at a fullback? He had the, the wear of mind at the 73rd minute to come up with footwork to beat Fisher Harris, Tarmier, and I think it was maybe Mitch Kenny or someone, through the middle with footwork, power, strength, burst through the gap, and then angle himself away from Dylan Edwards and have enough toe to get around the outside of him for the fact that Dylan Edwards had to die for his legs to keep up with him. Freak. is again I, I keep using the comparison rightly or wrongly he's Tamalolish to me as far as the combination of speed size power but a bigger motor he's got an even bigger motor I think Yeah, he's free. freak
2: yeah um, no argument there
1: yeah I, I, I think pff, for, for Brisbane the big thing here obviously is Turpin the swinging arm was dumb I thought it was blatant um, he's cost himself two weeks and then Pangai Junior I didn't think it warranted five weeks I think it was stupid but it's just one of those ones where he's knocked the bloke over he's got to jump back in on top he was overly aggressive a bit overzealous <coughs> and he's landed on his neck but because he's got prize which I don't feel sorry for him for it's really come back to bite him in the ass it's gone from being I think 360 points which would have been three weeks and with an early guilty P probably less to extras on top for repeat offences loading yeah, and then he's gone to fight it and basically admitted tonight that he deserved the charge afterwards and said he deserved it basically for the way he plays so now he's five weeks. You could basically say season done. They need to make the prelim Brilliant final. Prelim final, yeah. So Otherwise he's... Pungai Jr. is done for the year again. But the Broncos, they find a way to win. They get the job done. And Penrith, I still look at this one and think, you know, as Ivan Cleary said afterwards, they'll rue the effort areas and hold on to the football and penalties and completing and all that kind of stuff. But I still look at Penrith and think it's been a massive turnaround this year, but two key areas that still need to be fixed uh, hooker and fullback I yeah. think Kenny's come in done a really good job and I think steadied things but even the other night he's starting to flatten out a little bit Katal coming I think kind of elevated things or lifted things but he's still probably not the long term option but they need something more steady at nine and fullback Edwards has obviously improved massively compared to how he started the season at the back end but I think as a ball player and he's all around game again he's still not the long term answer for them to win a competition No, so why he's playing better uh, they probably need a bit more there but the pain harsh play. Freak, that's... And I, I have to bring it up again while we're here. Brian Tyler again, an impact that a wing can have on a side. Huge. Yeah, Been excellent for them. And Fisher-Harris all year has been huge as well. Knights-Cowboys 42-6. to Cowboys season well and truly done. Newcastle don't know where it's been, but their intent was back. And the energy and effort to play for it, in particular their defensive effort. Even in the flat parts of the game, where the Cowboys showed little bits of resistance in the last few weeks, they've crumbled. Or they haven't defended, or they've let teams roll upfield on them, they've made silly errors and they haven't focused. I think it's fair to say they were pretty relentless the other day. They got up the middle of the field, their forwards laid a platform. Safidi had one of his best games since Origin, along with Clamour. Barnett was good again on the edge, uh, and they just got him through the middle. Pierce got him there, Ponga cut back off his inside foot, and the player's not tying in. There were some pretty average tries, to be honest, and a lack of effort, I thought, from an aging Cowboys side. And then in the second half, they just picked on that right edge where I kind of feel sorry for Callan Hess because he, he's feeling in there and he's definitely not mobile enough to be defending at centre, but they really picked on the space of him, Kahu, and that, that right-hand edge where they just ran a lot of their traffic and they scored three or four times. And The biggest blow of all, I think you out of the weekend and underrated, and I've said this for weeks now, Connor Watson at nine and the impact he makes for Newcastle. And he's apparently done his MCL and won't be playing this week or next, which is a huge blow, I think, for them. Uh, I think Levi can come in and do a job, but... I think it's really understated what Watson does for that side when he's on the field, Massive particularly impact. playing out of nine.
2: Massive impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're going to miss that this week. Cowboys. Yeah, really really well, that was discussed. That's their worst performance of the year. They gave up. Tom Lolo they
1: out of the side makes a huge difference. I think.
2: Not M- a forty-point difference. McLean, not a difference in attitude.
1: I know McLean's had injuries in his first two seasons there, but he definitely hasn't lived up to the billing that he got leaving from Melbourne. <laughs> you got Cooper and a couple of these guys like Scott who played on the weekend. They're obviously old and going to be probably moved on. A lack of quality outside backs and Michael Morgan. I know he's been in and out with injuries and confidence and all that, but I felt that Clifford had more control of the side than Morgan did, which to me is a real problem. Uh, they've got some things they definitely need to address in the off season, but something's got to change here and it's got to change fast. But they're heading into a new home. They've got Reese Robson coming out to the play hooker. They played Connor on the weekend, which tells me Granville's out. Morgan needs to have a big off season with Jake Clifford and then if they end up getting Val Holmes or whether they don't and they've got drink water that spy needs to be locked down but they need to find a couple of guys to come into their forward pack and help out because with Maguire and McLean and even Tom Olo based around those old guys and Hess not quite kicking it or getting the role, it's not good enough no it's not and something's got to change so uh, disappointing effort for them it's but not good enough mate it's not good enough brock mate Ponga Pierce Watson Klamas Safidi even Matowdy are playing back out in the sense have had a pretty good game but all around they've given themselves a sniff Newcastle but it may be too little too late now their coach is obviously moving on Raiders Melbourne 22 and what an absolutely outstanding win for the Canberra Raiders and especially after the first half where they were absolutely torched Uh, Sinbin after a first couple of minutes Jack Whiten possession territory Melbourne had all the running their own way and then as soon as he got back on the field to Pine in at the scrum and threw that punch got himself Sinbin as well uh yeah, when you when you got 12 on the field, it's going to be pretty hard to defend. And Melbourne just mounted pressure, got at their left edge, got into Biden a couple of times. They were really trying to get at Aiden Caesar, who's pretty passive as a defender, and you got Lea Lewis had a long period of time off, so that was a little bit disjointed there. They kicked him behind one time, they played around another time. They found a bit of love, and they got themselves all the way out to 18-0. But I think most importantly for Canberra, they steadied, they grabbed that late try just before half time and then the second half felt like a complete flip. Melbourne made the error first set. Canberra got the possession, started to turn on, uh, turn things on their head. Melbourne really lost composure and the possession flipped around almost 65-35 at one point there. And Their forward pack just did a great job. Yeah, possession Horsburg, Yeah, Horsburgh off the bench was great. you got Papali who did a great job. They all chipped in, got themselves upfield, and then they isolated that edge we've talked about all year for Melbourne. Croft. Yeah. around Croft, his inside outside men get caught, you know, got him one on one, quite confused, and they isolate him, and it makes Felice bite in, and the center has to kind of question what he's doing, which is Will Chambers, and they picked him off there twice, and if they weren't picking him off there, that's how they're rolling up field. Jack Whiten was just hitting it flat and hard, time and time again on the mm-hmm. advantage line, and getting it Croft, and they build a rolling off the back of that. Uh, and at the back end, they got Hughes caught up in the line off a quick play of the ball, Papali runs at him and gets between him and Bromwich and scores a try, which led a 22 unanswered point streak to beat Melbourne in Melbourne. Crazy. Huge. Massively. Absolutely huge. and like There's not much else you can say. Like you couldn't put yourself in a worse spot and then come back to win. And yeah. I really hope that is the moment where they all realise that there's a real potential for them to do something this year. Not just, like I said last week, win those games that they should have been winning and beating the teams under them. They knocked off a genuine contender. Yeah. Or the top weight or one of the two top weights, hopefully. This is the real spark that ignites a fire, a final series here where we're not just saying Storm Roosters. Storm Roosters, hopefully the Raiders are, are going to jump in on board now. Yeah, I hope so. I really do. Anything else you thought out of this one?
2: No, I, I just really enjoyed the game. It was great. I thought it was physical. I thought there was a lot of feeling in it. I, I thought that uh, Canberra really took to Melbourne and and up the ante in that niggle aspect. and I, I like that. I don't think enough teams do that. Uh, to Melbourne as is, so you know you, you know what they're going to bring to the game. You know what they're going to try and do. So try and you know you don't you don't want to fall straight into their trap and play mm-hmm. their game, but you got to fight fire with fire. So you know I think that's a way forward and that's a way through Melbourne. Uh, but also, as I said at the start of the show, I I really believe that Canberra just bring a different dynamic that I just don't see out of South. No, uh, and I I don't see out of any of the teams in the bottom eight.
1: And they've definitely got a different forward pack You know, too. you
2: look at every other team in the competition and you go, well, could they beat the Roosters or Melbourne in a prelim and then a grand final? Because that's probably the way that if, if someone's going to upset Melbourne or the Roosters, you're probably going to have to beat Melbourne or the Roosters in the prelim and then beat and one, or, one the or the other in the grand final. final. I think Canberra's the only side that can do it. They've played them the last two weeks. They almost beat the Roosters at home mm-hmm. and they've rolled Melbourne despite being down 18-0. But it's whether they can do that in big, critical, high-pressure games where the Roosters and Melbourne will feel very comfortable. Yeah. So hopefully they get a little bit of confidence
1: out of that. Mm -hmm. I think even more telling again, and I said it last week, and I love the rule, and I stick by it this week because it had a huge effect on the game. And I won't complain as a Melbourne fan like other people do. I love the strip rule. Hodgson strip at a critical time, massive player. And that's what we're talking about. Like yeah, it has- Melbourne could potentially just go back. and If you can't strip or you can't make a play at the ball and you're not accountable for possession, which is my pet hate and the reason I love that rule being brought in, because blokes used to just drop it or let go of and get a penalty. If you're not going to hold possession, you don't deserve the football. He got the football at a critical time in a game there, which got them in position to set up for that try and win them the game. Yeah. So I love the strip ball and I'll defend it until I'm blue in the face, even though it costs my side the game. I love the strip ball. It, it it was a huge moment in the game. It was really oh, I, don't, I
2: don't hate it or love it. I just I'm neither here
1: or there on it. I think it's a great element that's been introduced in the game and up to that point, Hodgson didn't have the greatest game. He had some loose passes second half. He played a much bigger part. Nice kicking behind front of the tries and took that moment there. So he steadied Papali, like I said before, much like Adam Fanur Blake, I think's been close to one of the best props, if not the best prop yeah. in the comp this year. He was excellent. Uh, You know Bateman, Whitehead, all these guys stepped up the plate lots of contributors, Jack Horsberg off the bench for Melbourne there wasn't a lot of standouts I think the real one in the first half particularly for me that got stuck in was Sofa Solomona and I think at times he has a tendency to kind of pick and choose his moments in games or which games you want to get involved with but I thought he was real revved up for this one Uh, Munster had a couple of moments but more disappointed as a whole about the second half and the way they defended and 22 consecutive points and not being able to close that one out that's very disappointing yeah. and two losses to two teams they are potentially going to play on the run in Manly got them a close on the other week and now the Raiders getting them I wouldn't be worried both at home but these are all teams that are you know they're going to be potentially playing in the finals and yeah they're at home mm. so gives the Titans hope this week go the Titans oh come on <laughs> classic uh, dogs house yes. five of the last seven they've won and more particularly the teams they've beat it's hurt everyone the Bulldogs without the stress or without any pressure and a couple of Additions and getting Dalen in there, and you know, just those guys kind of building up some resilience and really committing. They've hurt the Tigers, they hurt the Panthers, they hurt Newcastle, they hurt the Sharks. All these teams in that shit fight we're talking about, they've stolen a game off every single one of them and hurt them at some stage where you would have looked at that one at the start of the year and said, Yep, that's a win. (coughs) So they've continued along their way. They may cost one of those sides their final spot, and on the weekend, they may have cost South their top four spot. Mm. Uh, They gave them nothing. They were frustrating defensively. They get stuck in. They work for each other on their goal line in particular. They defend really, really well. Their set starts and Dallin's got there has been absolutely outstanding. I stick by the fact that I think that when Kieran Foran's healthy, you can still see glimpses of the quality. It's just the fact yeah, you he can't can. stay on the field, and we've talked about it during the year the combination he's whipped up with Harrowir and Irish outstanding. He makes him look a hundred times better, and uh, a big decision there, I guess, when they've stuck with Cogger over Lewis for most of the year to bench Cogger. And stick with Lewis, who, who plays a bit of a different game. He likes to slow things down, play at his own tempo and all that. But full credit to him. In particular, most importantly, the biggest aspect of the game defensively. They didn't give South a line break. No. They frustrated him. They felt the scoreboard pressure. They played sideways and they just got off tilt. And they couldn't break him open. If, if you can't get ruck speed, or you can't win the middle of the field, which they couldn't, you can't play through teams and you can't get Damian Cook involved. And they just generally went side to side, made poor errors, and they just grew more and more frustrated as the game went on. Losing Burns hurt, losing Burgess certain and the Bulldogs, again, have claimed somebody or really put a dent in someone's season. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: I, and I I think they're a huge chance of betting Parramatta this week. Huge if, chance. If they, uh, if Parramatta they, are off. Wrong, they'll
1: get them if they don't turn up with the right intent. I 100% agree with them. I think a real positive, again, building into the back end of the season, like we said the last couple of years, giving all these young guys some game time, finding some positives there. Maybe Dallin is a long-term stay there, and it was the right environment. The change of scenery is good for him. You hear they're active in the market. You know They're looking at Jesse Raymond for the right price, which I think would be a good move for them. Apikorosio would be an upgrade at nine. Someone else they're looking at there. Apparently, there's a few other guys. They've tapped on the shoulder. Tala Mariner struggle to play and to pay you got Holland and a couple of guys so they're actively making moves and results like this and efforts like this are going to make it probably you know more realistic they might pull a couple of guys in that are keen and come play for them next year so uh, I'm happy for the Bulldogs because as I said at the start of the, for their fans I, I think they're going through a hard period but I think they're doing it the right way so I'm hoping for their sake things do slowly turn around and the right way and Dean Pay, Pei. Dean Pay's has got a lot of flack for a situation that he can't really control Yeah, he walked into a salary cap mess much like we're talking about Nathan Brown and There's been a lot of pressure, and they're talking to other coaches and other bits and pieces, and it clearly hasn't phased him at all. He's just kept doing his job, and the players are digging in for him. But moving on from that one, Roosters Warriors again. Not one that needs a whole lot of explanation. Five in a row now for the Roosters, ticking along nicely after that loss. Still no friend, Cordner, Tokyo, all quality additions that are only going to make them a better side. I think another big thing that hasn't been sold is despite all the injuries in the origin period, the rest through there hasn't affected him at all. They no. got Tedesco multiple games off. They got Manu some extra exposure. Corden had some time off. Crichton, etc. Like they really, really handled things very, very well. And they're getting it right at the right end of the year. The Warriors obviously scored early that second-minute try, showed some resilience for maybe 10, 15 minutes and held it on. But the Roosters, 12, 6 at halftime wasn't a true reflection. They had six or seven line breaks and busted them open multiple times but didn't execute. Second half was a six-try route. They just absolutely bust them at will. There was a real, real emphasis, I thought, at getting at Blake Green's edge in particular. Yeah. He doesn't defend well, laterally. Huku held. They played through that, and obviously, that's their strong suit as a side as well. kiri Crichton, in particular, are building a real nice combo at the right end of the year. It's good for him to play the right football, and that's their strike edge with Latrell, Tupo, Tedesco at standing again. Jarbury Hargroves, to me, was the foundation in the middle of that field, and... Needs to not get suspended at this time of the year. Yeah. And when you add Tokyo and those guys back in... When's Hiji back? They're still the real... I don't know. It's kind of been a week-to-week thing, but the way they're playing, why would you worry? I know. And I know I've said this multiple I times again, but... my
2: fantasy team. You know. Grand final this week, Matt.
1: Resting those players to the origin. Kiri having time off. Kronk had some time off at the start of the year. The development of Radley now, he's playing third and playing at nine, and then the fact they've been able to get game time into Verils, Satili... Nat Butcher and develop the rest of their squad and cry and finding form right now like you couldn't be ticking any more boxes I'm still sitting here looking at them just going yeah. I don't think they're waiting for the right time I, I think it's I think it's going to happen mm. I really think they are one of the rare cases where it can all come together or they can simply pull the trigger and the big difference again whether it's a Canberra or whether it's a Melbourne or I think we saw it last week even without those players not playing that well they've just got guys that can win games on their own Melbourne as a whole can beat you yeah, like, look in Melbourne and tell me who can really break open a game. Like, Smith can control a game. Munster. But can he break open a game? And even Munster. I look at Munster and say, in all honesty, and I can say as a Melbourne fan without being biased, how many times has Munster really done anything huge off the back foot? Like, I don't see him making an 80-metre break. or do, like Tedesco can do that. Latrell Mitchell can do that. Luke Keary, when he drifted outside, Blake Grand was burning for speaking. I think there's more... Pure and simple game breakers in the Rooster side that just still make them the most dangerous side in this competition. Yeah. So, for the Warriors, again, their season's done. Most definitely, uh, awful to see what happened to Jared Beal. I think he popped his kneecap in half he's and he's shut it. Going to be out for a, a decent stint there. And pass. He had a decent KO, but they just got absolutely train running him in the second half. And season's over. So...
2: Stanskies
1: there you go. They upset me in the last week but they definitely didn't bring the attitude this week but the Roosters I think everything's coming together at the right time. 10 line breaks to zip for that game so they really really struggled. (laughs) And the last one of the round this was absolutely dog shit. The Sharks getting over the Dragons 18-12 33 errors. This was a low game. Absolutely awful and at one point it looked like it was going to be 24-30 points so I ran an absolute train on them and it just seemed that the more they bombed those tries, Johnson <coughs> overrunning Sherry on the inside, Wade Graham not spotting Sherry the other time, he went clean through. It seemed with every moment they blew it, they got more and more impatient. And one thing the Sharks are terrible for is compounding errors with penalties. Yeah. And they just invited the Dragons in. On the flip side, luckily for the Sharks, the Dragons' attack has just been completely inept and looked dog shit. Uh, that they just couldn't get anything out of them. And it, it took Leilua late in the game to come up with a basically individual effort to score that try to put him in that hole and I honestly couldn't believe the Sharks were in that situation but at the end of the day did they get away with one or didn't they get away with one there's been some conjecture that way Graham touched it and everyone thought it was a knock on and then Graham Ennisley came out and cleared it and said that he went backwards and the bunker said so as well so I don't know what you made of that play when I saw the replay his foot was on the I line thought, I
2: thought it went back he
1: touched the <clears> ball and <throat> where Sherry caught it I kind of thought he was standing flat or if not behind the ball I so thought it was fine I don't think it's controversial. Graham, all Graham said out. was it touched him. He didn't say whether yeah. they went for it. And apart. I looked at it as well and thought I don't think this as controversial <coughs> as everyone's making out. No, play. I don't think it's so. Worst during the year, but yep. Shark Park, strange place. <laughs> they still the got the prison. They got a win in the prison, and that's all that matters. And they keep moving on. But <coughs> yeah, you know, I just the first half I was sitting there going, this could be anything. Yeah, this could be absolutely anything. They
2: should have been up by stack. But, I had them thirteen plus. I had Roosters thirteen plus into Sharks
1: thirteen plus. I thought it was a lock. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't. No. I think for Cronulla, Moylan again, he's out. Another hamstring injury. This is, like, the third time it's occurred this season. Uh, Clearly, it's been an issue all year. Where to from here? Does Dugan move back to fullback? I guess that's probably the most likely scenario. Morris back to the centres, and I'll bring in Muli Talo on the wing. Um, But that's obviously something that's key to them moving into the finals because Matt Boylan has a really good combination swinging to that edge and playing with Way Graham. Then, obviously, we saw the start of the year with that right side when he was getting there to Johnson. Helping out ball playing there, playing at Nikora. like it, He's the link player at the back of the field for him. Dugan yeah. brings a different dynamic, but I think their best side involves Matt Moylan. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously going to hurt them. Huge game this week against the Warriors. For the Dragons, again, not much to be said. They're one of these sides. Their season's over. Things weren't that great. All the mail during the week. Mary's safe with the ball, but this is last opportunity. The assistants, Hornby and Young, are apparently going to be moved on. Not quite sure who they're looking to upgrade. Yeah. into that side of things. Dufty's been tapped onto the shoulder after just re-signing in the preseason, he's free to go. You and Aiken's free to go. Um I think we I think there's gonna be a fair bit going on in the off-season at the Dragons as far as roster and coaching moves are concerned. So yeah. I guess watch this space when the season ends for the Dragon side of things to see what happens there. But um, he's definitely got his last year and if they start poorly next year, they'll be looking for a new coach. I think it be going screwed, yeah. So for a lot of Dragons fans out there they've been beating the drum it may happen sooner than you think but there you go there's reviews of the games in the weekend power rankings and our set of six box head no gossip basically we could have spoke about it's already been spoken about or we've put out in the air yeah. I think the biggest thing that came out today was obviously Nathan Brown but our mm. tips and bets brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate who the boys have been four from four the best bets I said it the week before that I posted the wrong one up and they actually had the Bulldogs not my bet of the Raiders and the two weeks prior they had winners as well and this weekend they took the Dragons plus eight which I wouldn't have been keen to take, but they were right. Yeah, The Dragons, they covered it by two points and they're now four from four. So like I said, in this last month or the last couple of weeks, the best time to get on board. Give it a run. One month, get on board. Check out the tips from the boys there at the Pro Sports Syndicate and obviously keep your eyes open for the NFL package and those best bets which will be running throughout this season again. But four from four right now on a hot streak. Keep your eyes open for those. First game. And if I can get up the lineups from the weekend Eels versus Dogs and most certainly this is no pushover box as we know the Bulldogs have been dishing up the last few weeks but on the Eels side of things Junior Paulo is back after missing the Titans game after hurting his ankle Alvaro shifts the bench and Maroa is out of the side for the Bulldogs they've stuck with the same 17 that's obviously got the job done and upset a lot of people's seasons uh, I'll be sticking with the Eels Eels yeah but I tell you what like you said before Dogs can win if they do what they did last week, and give away some errors and penalties and do some stupid shit. I have no doubt that the Bulldogs could cause themselves an upset. And the odds of the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.36 for Parramatta, $3.15 for the Bulldogs, minus 7.5 is the line in this one. 1 to 12, 2.90 for the Eels, $4.50 for the Dogs. 13 plus $250 for the Eels. $7 for the Dogs. Cowboys Panthers uh, is the next one we've got up here. Looking at the sides for this one on the Cowboys, obviously Matt Scott, after that stroke and that terrible news, is going to be ruled out. Scott Bolton's named to start. Hess goes back to the bench. Jordan who goes from wing to centre. Murray Tulagi goes on the wing. And Tawai has been named as a reserve, depending on what happens with his foot uh, for the Panthers. Josh Mansell is out injured. And Stephen Crichton comes in for his second game, who's on the wing. He's back from his ankle injury. Drone Lewis back. And gets to spot on the bench. Isaiah Yeo's name to start, and Moses Lauda is on the bench, but that may swap like last week. Plain and simple again, Brock Panthers. They've got more to play for. More to them. play for, yeah. Um, finals on the line, and if Tumalo doesn't play in particular, which I don't know if he will. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a real question mark. So I'll stay away from the Cowboys. And with the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.72 for the Panthers, two dollars thirteen for the Cowboys, minus to the line, one to twelve Panthers, two eighty three dollars twenty for the Cowboys. 13-plus for the Panthers, $3.75, seventy five, seventy five for the Cowboys. Broncos, Souths, again, it's a hard game. It's Sun Suncorp Friday night, which you think would be a big thing, but losing Pungai Jr. And then obviously Turpin, um, who's been in a real good job. Sean O'Sullivan is back from injury now, takes that spot. Can he take control of this game? I heard today as well that Corey Oates missed training, so Isaiah Paris, who's in the reserves and ended up playing last week, could potentially take that spot if he doesn't play. Alex Glenn, he returns after two weeks out from a knee injury. So Gemahat Shivasaki goes to the bench. And Glenn is out in the centers. For South Side of Things, Sam Burgess is named despite that injury. Burns is out. Kyle Turner goes back to the centers. Tom Burgess is out. Liam Knight has to move in to start. Nichols comes back onto the bench. And John Sutton returns to the starting side with Ethan Lowe going back to the bench. This is a real difficult one to tip-box. What do you reckon? Yeah, I,
2: man. The the tough the tough element for me here is I'd love to pick Brisbane, but the seven really worries me. Pengo now being out
1: worries me. And they've named Gillette, sorry, as well. So Gillette <laughs> and Glenn are both back this week.
2: Like Gillette for Pengo, that's a straight swap, so... You get- Sean O'Sullivan coming in I, I really don't know this. I'll, I'll go Brisbane my rule all year's been tip the home side when in doubt so I'll go with that but I like the look of the Rabbitohs' spine more than Brisbane's and even that's close because you got Cook, Reynolds, Walker yet but uh, Dewey at one I'm not in love with him Milford O'Sullivan um, and McCulloch point at six I'm not in love with I I, I don't know man I'll go Broadcast who are you go?
1: I've just scribbled in and out twice and thought about things, and they gave it to him early in the year. There's been some barbs thrown back and forth. I'm going to go the Broncos as well, purely on what you said, the home game. And I know I said that Turpin and Pungo Jr. Are out. I think Gillette, obviously, probably a better defender. Pungo Jr. brings less than attack, and Glenn moving out of the centers for Shibasaki, to me, is also a defensive move. Kyle Turner is <laughs> uh, someone I think they'll try and target and patch up there. Reynolds is playing injured. I don't know if Sam's going to play either. So if Tom, Sam, and George are all out, I... Uh, I think I'll lean just towards the Broncos, but yeah. again, it's not the time of the other thing. I don't know if they're going to play, so I'll stick with the home side in this situation. And with the Pro Sports Syndicate, a dollar ninety-five outside of the Broncos at home, a dollar eighty-five for South minus one is a line. One to twelve for South is two ninety-three hundred five for the Broncos. Thirteen plus for South is four dollars thirty-three and four seventy-five for the Broncos. Sharks Warriors at the prison. Uh, this is an interesting one, Josh Dugan is back to fullback. Multi to the wing. Fafita returns from an injury on the bench. Mugulis drops out for the Warriors. Fusitura returns for Adam Pompey, and he's on the wing. Herbert's been recalled in the centers. He's back from injury for Gerard Beal. Isaac Lucas back as a starting hooker. Jazz Tafunga moves to lock Burr to the bench, and Liggy Sal is out of the side. Again, regardless of anything here, Sharks need to win. Sharks. So I'll stick with the Sharks at the prison. To get the job done, we don't know which Warriors team is going to turn up, uh, so we'll see what happens there. But obviously, some of those changes then make them a bigger threat. But both from the Sharks and the Pro Sports Syndicate, they're a $1.38 favorite. three oh five for the Warriors, minus 7.5 is a line. 1 to 12 for the Sharks is $2.90, $4.50 for the Warriors. 13 plus for the Sharks, $2.50, $7 for the Warriors. Tigers, Knights, another one of these massive games, interesting situation here for the Tigers, obviously. Running out of some troops the last few weeks, still putting in a decent effort, but big ass this week. But Josh Reynolds, he's back, he's going to play hooker after Little got ruled out. Luke Garner is back after suspension. Momoroski shifts to the centres at the expense of Tommy Talao. And Robert Jennings has been recalled to start on the wing. Chris Lawrence returns to the starting lineup. Cheekham back to the bench. McQueen out of the side. McKaylee, Thomas is starting at prop, and Eisenhoof back to the bench. Newcastle, Denny Denny Levi, sorry, is going to replace Connor Watson after that knee injury. Heimel Hunt is in the centers. Matoudia goes back to the wing. Tim Glasby missed last week. He will be back most likely. He's in the reserves, and Bradman Best is in the reserves. Brock, all the talk is this week that he'll play. So I'm looking at the lineup here, trying to figure out what happens there. The only thing I can really see is if he's going to drop a Moga. Uh, or if he doesn't go that way, that Mataldi goes back onto the bench and they drop someone else off and use him as that bench kind of forward or utility that they have been. So yeah. not sure what happens there, but all the talk is that we're going to play Bradman best. But In this situation, it's at Campbelltown Stadium. The Tigers have got plenty to play for, but I think Newcastle, even with Watson out, it was a huge loss. I think Levi is a better replacement of what they could possibly going to get out of Josh Reynolds. And I just think last week they showed a bit of spirit. In the situation with Brown, I'd like to think they're going to finish the year strong, so I'm going to stick with the Knights. Knights. And the odds on this one, a $2.10 outside of other Tigers with a pro sports syndicate, $1.74 for the Knights, minus two to the line, 1-12 to 12 Tigers, 320, eighty for the Knights, 13 plus 575 for the Tigers, 370 for the Knights. Dragons Roosters, I think this one could get fairly ugly for the Dragons, Jonas Pearson's onto the wing, Michele Ravalawa's out of the side, Jackson Ford's been promoted to start, after making his debut only two weeks ago. Pat Kafusi goes back to the bench for the Roosters. Boyd Cordner still not back in the side. Satili Tupanua drops to the reserves to make way for your man, Toki Aho. He's good. back in the side. So they only get stronger. This one, I think, is an absolute no-brainer. Chooks. The Roosters. And again, I think this one could potentially get ugly. Hopefully the Dragons do show some fight. But, uh, yeah, hasn't been a whole lot of good signs of, of recent... Pro Sports, Syndicate, heavy favourites, $1.20 for the Roosters, $4.50 for the Dragons. Minus 12 is the line. 1 to 12 is $5.25 for the Roosters, $2.90. Sorry, for the Roosters, $5.25 is the Dragons. 13 plus Roosters, $2.00, $13 for the Dragons. Storm, Titans Boxing. We'll be attending this one.
2: We'll be there in
1: Melbourne. We'll be there. Melbourne looking to bounce back. Same 13 have been picked. There's one change on the bench. Brandon Smith, he's back. Tino has been dropped out of the side. The big man and Curtis Scott is in the reserves, so he could potentially be back in the side this week. We don't know. And for the Titans, Jared Wallace is welcomed back oh. into the side this week. Michael Gordon goes to the fullback. Eating. As I said, AJ Brimson's been benched. Jai Arrow's been named at prop, and Nathan lock while Cartwright has been dropped to the reserves. Just the reserves. Storm. Storm. Mix. Nothing else needs to be said, and I think it could get ugly. And the Pro Sports Syndicate agrees a dollar oh seven for the Storm, 860 for the Titans, minus 20. You gotta swallow. One to twelve for the Storm is 340, $12 for the Titans, $13 plus $1.42 for the Storm, $29 for the Titans in the last game of the round, an absolute blockbuster. Raiders manly. Down. At G.I.O. This place should be rocking. This should be another huge crowd. As far as things go for the Raiders, Joseph DePine, he's unavailable with a rib injury. Opening the door for Ryan Sutton to start at lock. Hudson Young comes back onto the bench. He had some strong games over the year before, getting done for that eye gouge and for the Seagulls. No changes. Curtis Syringham, still not included. Uh, And in the reserves, Brad Parker, he's still not included either. So they're basically same side as last week. I think this is going to be a cracker game. I'm going to give it to the Raiders because it's down there, and I think the crowd will get them home. But Raiders, yeah, I think this will be a very, very good game of football. Uh, I look forward to this one. These two guys, like you said, could potentially decide the top four spot.
2: Absolutely, yeah.
1: So massive game in that context. And with the Pro Sports Syndicate, a dollar favorite are the Raiders. Two forty-eight for Manly. Minus four and a half is a line. One to twelve, two eighty-five for the Raiders. Three seventy for Manly. Thirteen plus three dollars for the Raiders. Six twenty-five for Manly. And that's all brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. Last week, one from two of our bets box, you took Canberra at six and a half start. You nailed that. Yep. And I forgot what your other one was. I had I had,
2: had Tom Troboyovich to score the first, second or third try.
1: Uh no, didn't, didn't get over. He definitely tried oh, he, mate, he should have scored <laughs> he first <try. laughs> He tried to bar over a yeah. hundred times. Yeah. I had the Eels thirteen plus, which was bang bang, and then I had Sharks thirteen plus, which didn't come to fruition. So we both went one from two. Yeah. Is there anything you like this week?
2: Um Well, I think the Storm. I'd I'd eat the points on the storm. Really? Yeah, I would.
1: That's massive.
2: Uh but I'm not, I'm not gonna have that as my bet. Um, I think it's a pretty difficult round to be honest. What price of the Panthers? Dollar
1: seventy two. Yeah.
2: I'd probably take a bit of that. across price the Broncos Broncos 9.5 for the
1: Broncos
2: you're right it is, a, it is a tough round I'd go uh, I'll go Panthers into Knights that'll be one multi
1: Penrith and Newey
2: and then I'd go uh, I'd probably go an all up uh, Roosters 13 plus Storm 13 plus There was one other there Scroll back up for me Uh, Sharks 13
1: plus Wow Big time Oh big time Well I can't really Calculate that off the top of my head (coughs) Uh, There's some pretty decent odds there Yeah Let's put it that way Uh, Don't be scared guys As far as my two I'm going to go The Knights 1 to 12 At Campbelltown and that is paying 280 and the other one I'm going to go the Raiders at home 1-12 to as well against Manly which is paying 285. I think they'll both be close games for teams fight for top 4 and top 8 spots but I'm going to go an upset away from home for Newcastle and to keep the train rolling and for the Raiders to stick side at home and get the job done in a tight one against Manly so there you go well, no fan questions, but I tell you what, because our set of six was so massive, we're still going for an hour and a half. Oh yeah, that's probably a good thing we didn't do fan questions. Else, we might have been here for two and a half hours. Yep. Uh, as I said, didn't post it up. It was a bit of a late start. and Boxhead's a bit crook as well, so yeah, you know, skip that for this week. But happy to chuck something up tomorrow if anyone wants to send anything through. I'll happily type back this week as I do to some people that miss out when we do record them live, and happy to answer any questions. But for now, that's us done for another week. Boxhead, that so, is us. Let's see what happens. Looking forward to going down and watching the storm play. Hopefully the Titans put up a good fight. We can have a good weekend. Something. Now, if not, look forward to watching all those other games. Raiders-Manly. That'll be a good one. We'll have to uh, boot scoot our way pretty quickly, I think, after that game and get somewhere to watch that. Crown Casino, Saturday. Saturday that's where it will be. A couple of games on Saturday. Tigers-Newcastle. We'll have to find a place to shack up and watch that as well. Some games, some implications. Then you've got <laughs> South Broncos. Plenty to look forward to this round. But again, a big thank you goes to the Pro Sports Syndicate. Check out the package, look out for the best bets, and look out for the NFL package. It's upcoming. And Penrith Solar Centre. Summer is coming. Get on board there. www.penrithsolar.com.au. Thank you to both of those. And for everyone out there, thank you to you being loyal listeners, for sending in questions, giving feedback about the show. Feel free to message us anytime. Get on to iTunes, rate us, review us, help us grow. Help the show and most importantly, now enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring
2: it on, give us more, give us more. Where are you going? What's going on here? Is that it? Is
0: that it?